welcome to the ALN podcast series. If you like what you're hearing, you can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. I started in asset management back in 2007. I ended up going to a dinner party. Um, My a uh, new neighbor um, in this new place where I moved into um, was a kind of it, higher up in um, Sunflower Systems, which is an asset management software company, and kind of by, by the end of that dinner, I'm to to learn asset management, and I became a consultant where I was implementing you know software for federal agencies, government contractors, and so on for for asset management. So that is kind of where I got started. Um, I started to get um, to know a lot of what I would call serious mentors in my career, people like Jim Dieter of the Asset Management Network or Leadership Network. And he really encouraged me to get involved in industry association. So I really found my footing in the NPMA. I started to get in involved at the chapter level, at the region level, national level, and eventually at the board level, where I served on the executive board for eight years. And also through my kind of being mentored by Jim Dieter, I became familiar with with other aspects of asset management that were really even bigger than than what I knew um, asset management to be at the time. And um, at that at that point, we were colleagues, and he was on the U.S. tag putting together the ISO 55000 standard um, with the U.S. group. And I had some exposure to that group, and I wasn't even involved in the standard. I was helping him coordinate the meetings and make sure everyone had their coffee and this and that. But I really started to just gain a whole lot of, of exposure to the bigger picture. And over time, I, you know, I was very involved at Sunflower. I was very involved in NPMA. And I started to really desire something something bigger, something different um, outside of the consulting realm where I was. Um, I wanted to have the opportunity to not just, I guess, tell an organization how I thought would be the best way to have an asset management program and the software aspect. But I wanted to actually do it myself and and really build my own program and kind of prove to myself that I was able to to do what I was telling other people to do. And I found this this opportunity where I am now with Loudon Water in Northern Virginia, where they had no asset management program. There was a, a concept of it going around, but no no program, and they needed someone to to build it from the ground up. And it also happens to be my local area. So it was just a really awesome opportunity to really drive my asset management career forward and also support in my local community. And I love that I'm a customer of 
the organization that uh, that I support and just that opportunity to to build my own team, build a program that didn't exist before and really make a difference was so exciting. And um, so I've, I've been with Loudon Water for about two and a half years now um, building this program. And that's kind of how I got here. That's a great story. Congratulations. And, and Jim is really good at mentoring people. Uh, he's got quite the talent there. So, um, so what was your first act? Well, first of all, let's talk about your organization. <laughs> Loudoun is a county. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Loudoun County is located in Northern Virginia. It's very um, close to, to Washington, D.C. We're kind of between, if you're familiar with the area at all, between like Reston and Leesburg. Um, okay. Out in the northwestern What's, what's the population of your service area? We serve about 320,000 people. Okay. So um, we are a very growing organization or a growing area. So our utility was developed or established in 1959. So we're going on 61, 62 years now. Um, so we have had extreme rapid growth over the years. Um, and we have, we, we, produce for our customers water, wastewater, and reclaimed water services. So we're responsible in our asset management program for all of the, the, the treatment plants and pump stations and all of the, the facilities that go into treating that water. But we're also responsible for all of the pipe underground that gets that water to where it needs to go. So everything from, you know, pipe to reservoirs and dams, we asset management covers at all. So it's, it's quite an interesting um, set of assets that we have to work with here. <laughs> do you address fleet and personal property? Yep, we do. So we, uh, we do address fleet. I would say it's a much smaller portion of our, of our portfolio, but we do manage fleet and then personal property, not quite as much. Um, our IT department manages most of the personal property like the laptops and phones and things like that. Um, but all of the equipment that is located in the facilities that makes things run, your motors, pumps, generators, and so on, all of that um, is in our kind of regular purview um, along with, with the fleet as well. Okay, I'm going to jump over the where did you start question. We'll come back to it. <laughs> okay. Just get to, how does it feel to actually be doing what you wanted to be doing? It's amazing. It is really fun. Um, every day is a, a, a challenge. I am constantly learning. Um, I, just, I just think it's so great and so meaningful. And I love that I'm seeing progress and enthusiasm about asset management and we just we have so much support for the program and the organization it's just really it's just really exciting really rewarding and um yeah i'm a million times thrilled that i you know took this this leap. <laughs> so let's talk about that support everyone is always saying you know iso 55000 uh and 15 uh section 5 leadership um who is who hired you and who is giving you the support from above to allow you to grow the organization? 
So the way that we're structured um, at Loudon Water, we have a, a general manager and under the general manager, there are three deputy general managers. So one of the deputy general managers and one of um, his employees, who was my, my boss, who was the um, kind of the uh, director of our operations and maintenance uh, department at the time, um, the two of them hired me. Um, so I kind of started with, with some really good management support. They're the ones that had recognized that asset management was really important for us to get on as an organization. So I already had the executive support that I needed from the get-go, which was really huge. I would say the bigger challenge was getting support from, from those that were not at an executive level that were doing the work, that were going to be asked to gather more information, do more, um, and kind of help them to see the value of, of the program. But I think in the water, wastewater industry, I think it's not a big secret that assets are really important and it's not quite as difficult, I think, to get um, to get that support. Okay, so how did you bring some of them along? So it's it's really with the with those that were not kind of in the leadership roles. Um, it's really been a one group at a time kind of process. So as we're you know implementing new programs, really <laughs> focusing on all of those those change management concepts that like the pro side model and things like that. And really just getting to know the groups, talking to them, understanding, not only, you know, get, or helping, helping them to acknowledge what asset management was, why we work, why we want them to collect more information to support our program. And then also sharing kind of back with them how this information that we're collecting is going to ultimately make their job easier and just it's I think it's just really important for these groups to understand that they they are part of something bigger that you're not just you're not just going to work to make sure that this valve turns I mean, there is a there's a, a bigger purpose and it's really exciting and I think showing being able to talk with them, get in the trucks with them, go out there, see what they're doing, talk about what they're doing, but then showing them the data later, say this this is what you've done. I mean, you think you did you think you did this and you entered this information, but you've actually done something bigger and we're using this information to make the decisions. And I think it's just really a lot of engagement with with the groups and helping them to, to see and some people catch on faster than others there's you know people will gripe and yeah but um, you know it's it's, it's always going to be a challenge and it's not a, a once and done kind of challenge it's a constant um, collaboration but I, I think just continuing that communication and showing everyone in the organization how they are making a difference and that this is not being, you know, we're not asking for data for nothing. So, yeah, um, that, yeah. that, that focus on mission mm -hmm. seems to be something that gets everyone to uh, adjust their behavior or, or take an extra step to get that extra information. Okay, so let's let's go back to the beginning. You you had basically a blank slate. How what did you do to get started? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, after probably thinking I was going to pass out and what on earth have I gotten myself into <laughs> after probably the first couple of days. Um, so I, I really started to, well, first I didn't know anything about, about the terminology. I knew nothing about water, wastewater. I am not an engineer and a lot of people I'm working with are engineers. So I had a lot of questions and I really came in with very, just being very open that I do not know everything around here and I'm gonna have a million questions and just lay that out on the table so I could try to establish some trust. Um, but really I, so, okay, I guess the, the big activity that I started with was developing a roadmap, if I'm kind of putting it into a okay. bigger perspective. So I, uh, I worked with a consultant to, to take a look at the different asset management practices that we had at the organization. And we went through a, a big exercise that, you know, went on for months really of evaluating what processes and procedures we had, how we were doing this and that and our maintenance programs and how we were managing the data and just all of our policies and procedures, including you know, people from all areas of the organization, anybody that would touch asset management. Um, and we, got, we went through this process and we kind of, they helped us to compare that to some industry best practices. And we went through kind of a, a gap analysis of, of what we needed to do and did some prioritizing and developed a long-term roadmap to get to where we wanted to be. Um, so that was really super important and so helpful for me because it really gave me the, the opportunity to get to know others around the organization, get my, my hands around all of everything that was happening related to asset management, just not formally and understanding where should I start and what's gonna make the biggest impact. So we've been working through you know, this roadmap ever since and um, making what, big progress. <laughs> what did the roadmap point to? What did the evaluations point to as a first uh, actual asset management step? Well, I guess evaluation is an asset management step. I take that back. Yeah, well, I mean, there there were a number, ton of things to do, but you know, kind of the first and foremost was a lot of policies and procedures, documentation, um, communication strategies for how we're going to communicate with the organization, how we're going to share our success, and strategic planning. So, you know, fortunately, we went through in it was 2019, we went through a new organization strategic plan. Um, which was perfect timing with this. And we were able to get asset management all over the strategic plan. And that was one of the big, the big um, recommendations with this roadmap was to integrate our program goals with the strategic plan. It was very, very successful um, getting, getting that implemented and heard. And now anybody that looks at the strategic plan and talks about the strategic plan, which is all the time around here, you know, they're, Gonna, they're going to point back to asset management whether they like it or not. So it's it's definitely that was a huge a huge piece of um, of the puzzle for us. Well, that was very fortuitous then. <laughs> so would you recommend that all organizations that are starting a asset management uh, department to also reconsider their overall uh, strategic plan? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I mean, most organizations are gonna go back to that strategic planning process on a 
periodic basis, whatever frequency they've established. For us, it's every five years. But I think you'd absolutely want asset management to be part of that, part of that process. And if it's not called out specifically, then find ways to tie asset management back to the strategic plan, because that's really how you get the buy-in for what you want to do. I There's not a single thing that I recommend or share that I don't put some sort of reference to how it relates to the strategic plan, because it's always a big selling point. So. Okay. Um, so I would think that you consider yourself having a, a achieved numerous successes through your path so far. Are there any successes that you like more than your other babies or, or what would you say are some of the successes that you've achieved? So one of the things that I'm really proud of, and but we're, you know, I would say it's always, it's a continual work in process, but we really started with the program trying to develop or looking at the long-term asset life cycle. What do we need to budget for the next hundred years for, for our assets? And of course, what we're doing now is not going to be perfect. We, nobody expects that it's going to be perfect. But the, the big point for us was let's, let's really start to look at it. Let's lay out our, lay out our entire capital asset portfolio. And let's, let's figure out what our standard replacement cycles that we can expect you know, what big expenses can we expect as part of these cycles? And let's start laying out a budget for over a hundred years. And we, we picked a hundred years because of our longest lasting assets in our system. We wanted to have a full replacement life cycle. And so we said, okay, our pipe in the ground is what is expected to last the longest and newer pipe can last you know 100 years or more so we said okay we're going to take that we're going to go out to a full replacement life cycle and we're going to start updating this every year and get better and better about this and based on the information that we know about our assets we'll keep we'll keep updating and trying to figure out how we need to plan our finances because what we what we've seen from other utilities and we don't want to happen to us is this big boom of asset replacement that needs to happen, particularly with the pipes. All the pipes are breaking, constant, 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 you know, can't keep up and there's no budget for it. And what do you do? So we're really trying to plan ahead, making sure that we're we're saving and coming up with a plan so that we don't find ourselves completely out of money and with our system just falling apart. So that's something that we've really focused on. I'm really definitely proud that we are doing that and we're constantly implementing assessment programs to assess the condition and the estimated life of all of the assets that we have and constantly keeping that up to date and making sure that we've got budgets and plans for, for everything. So it's a lot of work, but we're, we're happy with um, kind of where we're going. All right, now I'm going to ask the ISO 55,000 question. <laughs> have you used that to guide uh, your actions? We have not, actually. Yeah. Probably the wrong answer for this oh, no. group. No. But um, yeah, we have, we have definitely talked about it, and we just haven't gone down that path yet. But um, I do 
think that there is a lot of really good stuff in the standard. And I think it's something that we certainly aren't going to ignore forever. I think it's, it's definitely on our path. We've had some, uh, I guess, higher priorities to focus on as we were getting this program started, but that's definitely something that we will be looking at um, well, I would more think seriously that, in time. I think that with the clean slate that you had, it was obvious what to start doing first. And it's um, one of the things Jack Dempsey has said that organizations that are working well probably are doing 90% of what's in ISO 55001. But if they look at it, they can see those two or three things that will help them get even better. And since you had a clean slate, you didn't have to start that way. Would you recommend to other organizations that are just starting as a uh, uh, an asset management department to, to consider that as a guide? Because you had familiarity with it. I did, yeah, and I and I definitely think that's a good place to start. Um, I think that we are probably doing a lot of what's in the standard through the roadmap that we established and I think that's going to end up aligning well so we just kind of took a different angle yep. of getting started but I think I think both are, are good methods and it's really just what's right for your organization at that time where you are so Jim Dieter has uh, sent in a question but uh, actually hey Jim <laughs> so, um... so glad to hear from him yeah, so what from your earlier career has been useful in your current position is what he wants to know. So the consulting background that I had was absolutely huge for me being able to tackle, to tackle this job. Being able to collaborate with large groups and make decisions and come up with a path forward that makes everyone happy but is also the right move is a real tricky challenge and i'm so grateful that i had that experience going into this because there were a lot uh, there are a lot of different personalities different backgrounds that i am trying to to herd and get on the same page and i just always change management is just like the big thing for me and while i didn't always label it as change management back then, I mean, I, I just think it's so important to be able to organize these groups and keep people moving ahead and not get all, you know, just kind of stuck on certain points. So. Okay, and we've got some other questions here. Uh, uh, one is from uh, uh, Igor Starkov, and he asks, uh, are you using digital twins? Is that any part of your plan? Getting real techie here. Um, so. <laughs> No, we are not using digital twins. I feel like I've had this conversation with my IT department before. Um, so I don't think I'm using a digital twin. So I have to explain that one to me again. So um, those are uh, in buildings, a, a building information model is a, um, a, a virtual, representation of the building and then oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things inside of them can be the digital twins or the, the fleet outside could be the digital twin. Yeah, I, I think there's been some 
some talk about it. I think we had before I before I came on board, I think there was some concept of trying to do this with our we developed or we created built a new um, water treatment facility. And I, I my understanding is there was some sort of thought process and trying to develop a BIM model for that, but I don't think it really went too far in the process. So it, it's something that I, I hear floated around, but I don't think there's a serious effort to pursue that right now. Excellent. So I promised you that a half hour would go by in a flash. Oh, it did. <laughs> we're almost there. Can you stick around and take some questions in overtime? Because we're getting a lot of questions. And uh, I forgot to say that I am uh, call, uh, I'm in Olympia, Washington. And at this hotel, the connection with my laptop wasn't so good. So I'm on my iPad and I can't access questions and things like that. And I'm gonna ask uh, Nick to uh, make Jim Dieter a panelist and he can go over some of the questions with you and, and chat with you. So Nick, if you want to, uh, you can do the uh, end of the half hour uh, closeout and then we'll go into uh, overtime. Will do. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to say a quick Thank you again to our sponsors and organizational members. Again, ABS Quality Evaluations and Onuma System support us at a patron level, which really does make this sort of programming possible. And again, we have our other organization members that each are participating and adding to our organization. So we're super grateful for that. And again, uh, the sponsor of this ALN Thursday at 4 program for the month of June is from ABS Quality Evaluations and ABS Groups. You can go to abs-qe.com to learn more or, or abs-group.com. Uh, and then a quick plug for next Thursday, we have Tim Ingram on June 24th, uh, same time, 4 p.m. Eastern, and we would love to see you all there. And with that, I will pass it back to Mike. Um, I can certainly promote Jim, but uh, he will have to accept that torch. Okay. Can't Looking at the chat now, Mike, and I, I'm so excited to see all of my old NPMA colleagues on here. So. <laughs> all right, so um, yeah. since you see the chat and the questions, uh, why don't you go ahead? Alex has a question, uh, Alex Berenblit. Uh, in the Q&A oh. section. Okay, let's see. Let so, me see. So, hey Jim. So Alex, um, so what got us to, or our leadership to recognize the importance and focus on asset management? So I probably would say money and lessons learned from other utilities. So, you know, it's, it's so, it's talked about all the time at every conference we, anyone goes to, you know, the, the crumbling infrastructure and running out of money and the budget. And I think they, we had, our leadership is just extremely aware of that and did not want to be in, in the same place. And also the, the deputy general manager that hired me um, was over our operations and maintenance division. And to him, assets were life. I mean, this is what we, this is 
what we do day in and day out and making these assets last as long as they need to last and function for us in an emergency is so critical. So it was kind of a no brainer for our organization. And I don't know if that's unusual or if I'm just ridiculously lucky that we had this kind of support, but um, yeah, it was, it was really not much of a challenge at the senior leadership level. Okay, and then um, thank you for uh, answering that. Um, then I didn't uh, get uh, Igor's question right. If you can see in the chat or the question what he said about digital twins and answer that. Um, I think the chat, I think we did answer that. Okay. Yeah. So um, then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And then uh, Jim had asked a question. Uh, uh, Jim, is Jim there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm right over here, Mike. I'm in the other corner. <laughs> He's there. I see him. Not on my screen. Um, and I have to say, Mike, before you ask Jim a question, when I took this this job with Loud and Water, the first person I called was Jim. Oh. And, and I because I knew I had a big challenge ahead of me and I had a lot to learn. And I knew that Jim, with his connections through this organization and through ISA 55,000, I knew he would know where to point me. So within a couple of days of reaching out to Jim, we met at Starbucks. I brought a notebook and started writing down everything he said to figure out what do I do now? And it was so helpful. And I'm definitely really appreciative of, of that. But I think that just kind of shows the value of this organization and the standard and just the level of, you know, recognition. I, I don't even know the right word is, but, you know, it's, it's really well thought of, I, reputation, that's the word, you know, it was just the, the reputation. And I knew that with that experience that if anyone knew where, what I needed to do next, it was going to be Jim. And even though he had no experience with the water, wastewater stuff either, he knew exactly the right advice to, to give me to make some good decisions. So it was very helpful. That's awesome. Thank you. That's sweet. Welcome. I would just, you know, uh, if somebody asked me to say one nice thing about Jessica, I'd say, how much time do you have? But I think uh, you know, Jessica's story about getting in when we hosted the ISO 55,000 meetings and, and her being involved is a really good example of somebody even you know relatively new to the field that gets involved, connects with people, and most, and most importantly, displays competence, gains people's trust, which is a word I heard you say many times in this, in this conversation, very important. Uh, and that, uh, and then you successfully do things. People tend to give you more things to do. <laughs> that's good, so uh, that's really good. There was one question, I, I, I had one question I wanted to follow up on, but there was another question about the 100 year budget. Uh, is it really a budget or is it budget, just budget planning that you've planned that far out or? It's more of it planning. Work? Yeah, it's more of planning than a budget. So the first the first time we went through this, so this was 2019, um, we're saying, okay, what are we, what are we expecting? 
and for our expenses. And it was, it was a tool that we used to take to our board and say, okay, this is the reality of where we are now and what we can expect in the long term. And we need them to be on board with that. And we need them to be supportive of what we'll be asking for in the years to come. So it's, it's really about communication, making sure everyone is aware of what the needs are and having a lot of collaboration with our finance team to make sure that we have a plan, that we are planning, we, we have rate studies that are, that are done free, every, very frequently and making sure that we are charging the right amount to customers, but not too much. You know, what is that responsible line of, of spending and saving? And we have money put away for, for rehab and replacement work for years to come. So we've got a bucket that we can pull from, but are we putting the right amount of money in the bucket? Do we know, you know that we're going to have enough when the time comes? So it's, it's not an official budget. It's used to inform our capital improvement plan, kind of gut check ourselves, making sure we've got the right projects in there, making sure we have support, making sure people are talking about it and that it just doesn't fall under the radar. And how that evolves over time, I'm not not really sure, but it's, you know, it's, it's a conversation that we want to have and we want, we want everyone to understand that when we say, you know, we're going to budget, you know, millions of dollars over the next, you know, few years to replace pipe in the ground, it's not, it's, it's, it's a good thing, you know, do we want to, do we want to tackle these projects that need to happen now, or do we want to wait for 50 years when it's impossible to tackle and we're all crumbling and our customers can't get water. And, you know, it's just really keeping those conversations going and making sure every, everyone understands the seriousness of staying on top of this, but it also helps to reinforce the maintenance programs that we're, that we're doing. Cause we're saying we've got this budget, but if we don't take care of what we have, that budget's out the window and our stuff's going to fail before before it's supposed to and you know I just I use that for for so much of of what we do and you know everything has got to last and we've got to get our teams out on the street performing this maintenance we've got to assess all of our assets we need to take care of these problems now and not have this be a critical situation later or we're going to find ourselves in really big trouble and that's what we're really focusing on. So I use it for everything. <laughs> so yeah. that's that was a great it was a great answer in general, but it was also a great example of the distinction and interrelationship of asset management and maintenance from reliability. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly in water, you can't imagine asset management without maintenance, uh, but it also highlighted, you know, what asset management is beyond maintenance reliability and at least in, in in one area yeah maintenance is a huge part of my a huge part of my job it's i spend a lot of time focusing on that and new programs for preventive maintenance and even you know predictive type maintenance activities but it's it's really an important conversation and i've learned a lot about some things i never thought i would learn about in asset management for sure yeah. Uh, well, let me ask one more question and then I'll be quiet. I'm sorry. You can see I'm in my uh, late afternoon go mow the lawn clothes. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, 
uh, as a follow-up to the NPMA question, for years I had been and have been involved in the NPMA, I've been a member of 35 plus years, whatever. And when I saw 55,000, you know, began to appear, I started working on it. I thought, what a great opportunity for NPMA members. And a few have, have picked up on that. Uh, you know, Steve Holland comes to mind, for example, and Alex, uh, but, and yourself, certainly. Uh, but a lot of people have it. Uh, that they keep, you know, their focus is, even though they might aspire to a job with more responsibility and, you know, that does different things, uh, they haven't made that connection. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or, if, you know, you know what, are your, what are your thoughts on an NPMA member that's been involved in personal property, government property, uh, transitioning to, uh, you know, a different area of asset management? Oh, that's a tough one, Jim. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I just, I think it's trying to communicate with everyone that their asset management is just so much bigger than compliance and making sure we know where things are, we know what's happened to our assets. It's just, there's so much more value to be found. And I think once you really grasp that concept, this is just, it's so much bigger, then I, I think you can really jump, you can really catch on to these big things that people like Alex and Steve and Art Curlin, you know, people that have really picked up on and said, you know, this is a, this is a really big deal. And I think it's just that communication and getting everyone to really just absorb how important it is and that you can make so much more of a difference. You know, the compliance piece is hugely important and very, you know, it it's extremely important, but there's there's so much more that you can do with asset management and looking, you know, more holistically at it and taking on things like ISO. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a bigger world and you have so much more value you can bring to your organization. And, and I, and I think, you know, careers and asset management will really soar when that gets realized. I think it's going to be a much bigger deal. It's just getting, <laughs> getting that initial latch on, I think is just the hard, the hard thing. Um, I don't have a great answer other than I think that's just yeah, well, neither continuing, do I, that's a good answer. continuing to communicate, you know, it's, you just got to keep drilling it in. You know? like it is, it is, uh, it's important. Um, you know, we're, we're all doing something that has a, a lot of potential to do great things. And um, So you're doing great things for the people of Loudoun County. How are you involving the citizens as stakeholders in your asset management plans? Are you doing anything along those lines? So we're, we have a lot of, we have a lot of big ideas that we're thinking about and we're trying to, you know, just one of like the little things we can do with the citizens is trying to get them to play an active role in asset management. You know, see a problem, say something about the problem so we can address it. Um, you know, that's something that we're trying to, to do more marketing campaigns through you know, social media, we're looking at, you know, potential customer apps to make it easier to share potential issues that are in the problem, that 
they could be seeing in the service area. Um, but we're really, we want, we want the community to, you know, if it's not affecting them, sometimes you don't say anything about it. But if it's, if it's something you see, just say it and let's make sure we can take care of it. And it's one of my favorite things to do with my kids now. <laughs> you know, we, we walk around the neighborhood looking for meter crocs that are sticking out of the ground too high that might cause <laughs> safety, safety risk. And we start reporting them and we get all excited because then we can follow up and see when things get fixed. And, you know, it's just you know, make it a game with your kids. I don't know, but like. You're you raising know, little asset managers. I am. I am, you know, and I'm checking <laughs> on things. I'm finding things at the soccer field in the neighborhood, this and that. And I've just, I love to see it get taken care of. Um, but yeah, I mean, the community has got to be engaged and we've, we've got a lot of requirements from EPA that we're working on right now, or the community is going to be, you know, well aware of the assets that they have in their system. So there's a, you know, a regulation with the, the lead and copper rule. And we have a lot of community engagement to get. And fortunately for, for us, we don't know of at this point, any, you know, lead service lines, which connect the water distribution main to your home. We don't know of any lead out there, but it's, it's a major risk. And we're going to be making that information is going to be publicly available where you can go and you can get the inventory of what's at your house and see that on the website. So kind of one of my biggest challenges right now is I've got three years to figure out what's un underground in people's homes. That's not even something that I own. And, you know, how do you go about doing that for something that you can't see? Um, but yeah, the community is going to be, you know, well aware of, of those types of things. So maybe take a little more interest in, in the assets they have and how they can affect their health and um, a lot of opportunities for community engagement. Excellent. So, um, John, uh... Shellness says in Des Moines, there's a, a app for making reports. Uh, I can connect him with you to see if uh, that's something that you've looked into. He also asked if there was an association uh, that you deal with other than NPMA. Is there a, <laughs> a lot of them? Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, pretty actively involved with AWWA, the American Water Works Association. And I'm um, what do they just change their name to? WERF, Water Research Foundation. Um, so just a lot of water organizations that I'm that I'm involved with, um, kind of participating in different groups and just staying informed in all these regulations that affect water. <laughs> and, water and, and, and Chris Golly wants to recruit you into another organization. He wants you to uh, spend some of your free time with the US tag so you can hang out with Jim again. I pretended like I didn't see that comment. <laughs> we'll see if I sign up for one more volunteer role. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind, but maybe I'll think about it. I'll think about it. So, yeah. That's good. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for uh, spending time away from your, your very important job to talk with us. Uh, this is recorded and I think it will serve many people who are starting their asset management journey and who are starting an asset management department. This will, this will tag this as for those people. So thank you very much for sharing your experience with us. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. It's great to, to see you guys.
Great to see you. Congratulations on all you've done. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to uh, having you present uh, anytime you want to. We've got an annual event coming up. Uh, anytime you think you're ready to you know, make that regular PowerPoint presentation, you are welcome. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, and thanks to all of our attendees. Uh, and I'm sure they enjoyed this. This has been a very lively conversation. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com. You can find this and other podcasts, videos, papers, and more at assetleadership.net.